episode of the Restoration Today podcast is brought to you by Restoration Brokers of America. Did you know that 80% of businesses are unsellable? Let RBA work with you to ensure you maximize the value of your business when you decide it's time for a change. You've worked hard to build it. Let RBA work hard to sell it. Visit sellmyrestorationbusiness.com for more information. Hello there. Thanks for checking out this episode of the Restoration Today podcast. Today, I am joined by some friends from the north, although I'm in the north, but they're even further north than I am just slightly. I am joined by Russ Jacobs and Jamie Sands. They're both from Esporta, which is a Canadian company, but they have a huge presence in the U.S. as well, not just in Canada, and they focus on contents restoration, specifically on the textile side. I'm going to let them tell you a little bit more about it, but we wanted to talk about um, kind of the push that our society and world is going through now of being more of more sustainable practices and learning to maybe reduce our carbon footprint, restoring items versus replacing them, kind of the direction that we're going that's um, helping preserve and restore things versus just replacing all the time. So um, gentlemen, thank you very much for joining me. I'm going to toss it maybe over to Russ first to kind of introduce yourself and share a little bit about your background in the industry. Thank you. Uh, happy to be here. Thanks for having us. Uh, my background goes way back. Um, I started out in the retail dry cleaning industry. I was a third generation retail dry cleaner working at my grandmother's place when I was 10 years old. Uh, got into retail dry cleaning ownership and then in the early 90s started doing soft content restoration for the insurance industry. Uh, after that, I became full-time in soft contents restoration back then before the days of national companies. You just had retail dry cleaners that did that, but I saw this as a standalone business. And then after doing it as an independent for over 15 years, joined um, one of the national dry cleaning companies and was a franchise there. Uh, once I sold my franchise, went to work for inventory packout software uh, for five years. And then the last five years, uh, with Asporta as uh, Director of Customer Development. Perfect. All right. And Jamie, share a little bit about yourself. Yeah. So I've been in the industry roughly 16 years prior to my uh, experience at Asporta Wash Systems. I was with a uh, packout inventory software company as well. Uh, although I did compete against Russ, we were in the same uh, same realm. So that was roughly five years and uh, 11 years with Asporta. So um, Vice President of Sales here, work with Russ on engaging uh, opportunities with individuals and contractors on the supported technology. Perfect. So obviously, both of you have a wealth of knowledge when it comes to contents, contents, restoration, all of those things. But share a little bit about Esporta for people who are listening that maybe haven't heard of your name or don't know about your big washer, washers that you create, all of that stuff. So talk a little bit about your technology so that people understand the direction we're going and where you're coming from. Yeah, it's a very unique story. It, it uh, started roughly 24 years ago, um, and uh, it started with the, our CEO, uh, Randy Road, and his wife, Margie Road, looking for a solution to uh, actually clean big and bulky hockey equipment. And as you mentioned on the phone from Canada, although Russ is in Memphis, so he's not totally Canadian yet, but uh, that's really yeah. where the, the founding part of our company was built. And it really lended itself to understand that there is many limitations in the typical agitation front load washing machines that were available in the marketplace on many different fronts. And our, uh, our company has actually gone through many evolutions as far as 
um, you know, again, sports equipment to PPE, fire department, fire bunker gear, cleaning, military. And then roughly in 2007, 2008, uh, we saw a fantastic opportunity in the disaster restoration space. Um, one of the founding parts of our technology based on agitation versus hydraulic pressure, but it's the ability to clean mold and sewage uh, with third party verification and testing. So little bit of the story, a little bit of the history, and and, and uh, currently we've got roughly 300 locations in the U.S. and and about I think about 210 in Canada. We also are over in the U.K., Scotland, Ireland, Australia, and uh, even have some partners even further into Europe. So so that's a little bit about our story. So how many restoration companies in the U.S. have Esporta machines as part of their contents division? I, you know, I feel like textiles, a lot of times um, restorers are subbing them out, have other companies that are getting the textiles and restoring them and then bringing them back to the client. So are you finding that it's more of a trend that people are bringing this in-house? Absolutely. Yeah, I would say 98% of uh, our contractors in the U.S. are, you know, content-specific, restoration-specific companies that are adding an additional division to be that one source, single single source of, uh, for contents and all restoration as well. So as far as standalones, you know, not a ton, um, but again, we focus directly on empowering restoration companies to bring this division in-house. So what can be some of the, what is the overall, I guess, take by carriers or adjusters when it comes to restoring textiles? Is that a yay or a nay? Are they in favor of, what do you think? Yeah, absolutely. I'll let Russ jump in on this too, um, more being on the ground and working directly with, um, you know, a lot of companies of ours that deal with insurance companies and adjusters. And, you know, the, the, the time has come where now the recognition of restoring versus replacement is so critical and using the right technology and the right training um, because no one, you don't want to be stepping into something and not having the right training and background and understanding as you know, Russ's accolades as he came onto the call, it's, it's, you know, it's very, very in depth. And that's one of the uh, huge value pieces of our organization is Russ Jacobs having the amount of time in the industry, as well as Daryl Nestevo and other members of our team. Yeah. Um, but that we've seen a tremendous shift and, and Russ, maybe jump in a little bit on that. Yeah. What, what we're seeing and the way that it has evolved and there's actually out in the, the insurance community, some myths that, a lot of us, it's our job to be able to relate to both a homeowner and an adjuster the value of restoration. You know, adjusters might think that homeowners would just rather buy new clothing. Well, homeowners like to add clothing to their wardrobe, but we all have things in our closets that we've had for a long time that we don't get rid of. And then there's also the myth that, well, restoration is, is just as expensive. I may as well take that money and buy all new clothing. Well, it's not. And, and we're going to talk more about when we talk about profit and margins, you know, to restore an item is usually less than 20% of its value. And in many cases, much less. And so the value of restoration over replacement and enabling homeowners to get back to their pre-loss condition using their contents money is all areas that carriers are recognizing. Again, when we talk about the carbon footprint, you know, not having to replace and what that does to the environment. So everything in our industry is now kind of lined up to where the technology, the restoration percentages, the restoration costs and the damage of replacement, both from a customer service and from an environmental standpoint, is making this 
easy to present to be able to show the value of it. And so we're seeing a, a large increase in opportunities for our operators. Um, I know that there are a lot of restorers also going toward like higher end, higher net worth clientele now. So where does this type of contents restoration fit into that piece? Like you're going into a home that maybe had a fire and they are, you're not talking about, you know, clothes that are bought at Target, which are just fine. But maybe you're talking about Valentino or you're talking about Gucci or something like that. How can those be restored? What does that look like? Is that possible? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's the biggest thing is, is really determining the differences between uh, the the traditional agitation method that everyone's accustomed to at their home with, you know, very aggressive in nature and the technology of the Asporta uh, really is very delicate, but very powerful in how it works and pushes water and environmentally friendly detergents uh, through all those different types of items like leathers and shoes and belts and purses, Chanel, uh, wedding dresses, cowboy hats, cowboy saddles. Um, you know, the technology really can do, a very wide range of those types of items that typically would be deemed non-restorable. And so to Russ's point, we're finding a, a very large uh, success rate when it comes to insurance company adoption, because they're really understanding, well, you know, first of all, the environmental impact, but secondly, having to have the emotional discussions with homeowners to do the evaluation of saying, listen, hey, I'm going to give you, you know, $75 for that jacket. You may have spent 300 on it, but based on depreciation, this is what you're going to be allowed. And that's a very, very emotional and stressful conversation for adjusters to have. So if our operators can restore up to 98% of the items impacted by, you know, category one, two, three uh, mold, you know, significant smoke and soot, biocontamination, everything of that degree, it's, it's really accomplishing a couple different things, again, with the adjuster and the, the uh, acceptance there, but as well as the environmental impact of restoring and not replacing. So the technology, without getting extremely deep, um, a lot of people just don't simply believe it. But once they see it, they touch it and they feel it. Um, I mean, I think last time we spoke, you know, there's many stories where, you know, myself personally been out on site and restoring sentimental wedding dresses that belonged to a homeowner's daughter who had been deceased and it was covered in mold. And just simply having the ability to restore it and prove uh, through scientific testing of the ATP testing device, field testing, um, that it can be restored. So it's a wide variety in what, what our technology and our operators can restore. And I think that's what's really important is that obviously we are the owner of the technology, um, but our operators are simply what make us and create the company that we are today. You know, it's, a, it's an interesting dynamic that with the improvement in the technology to be able to take items like that, that in the past could only be surface cleaned, which limited both the types of items and the types of losses that could be restored with that surface cleaning method, right? But when you're able to clean it in an immersion process that is both better but more gentle, then it opens up the ability to clean those types of items. And what we find, through experience is it's not just for that high-end homeowner, that that certain demographic, because the number one uh, category that Americans spend disposable income is on clothing. And so everyone, regardless of their median income, will buy things that are important to them, that are special to them, that are expensive. It's just that the, the higher-end demographic has more of them. 
But we see these opportunities and these types of items on almost every claim, just depends on the number. And when you're able to do that, it doesn't matter whether the homeowner has 10 designer purses or one, yep. it's just as important to each one that you're able to restore that. So it's a great opportunity. Yes. And, that's and also, Michelle, just to add, I mean, through training. So again, have to really reinforce the fact that, you know, through training is why, again, our operators coupled with our technology have the ability to do, you know, high end, high heel, Jimmy Choo shoes or, you know, Uggs. I mean, you know, for most of, of America that have Uggs other than Canadians, but um, it's through training and through best practices. And that's where, you know, us as an organization, roughly, you know, four or five years ago, we really evolved the way that we train and and that is a, a critical uh, point to make that uh, on how we teach and how we train okay so let's talk about margins Russ you teased it up a little bit so let's let's talk about that now like what kind of margins are there in textiles rest, textile restoration specifically especially when you're thinking about like all right there's going to be an initial investment potentially on some equipment here but you can probably build that ROI back in pretty quickly so what what does that look like yeah, absolutely. The the ROI, and it's it's interesting because we get data from our operators. This isn't us, but the average operator repays their entire initial investment in less than a year. Very, very quick return on your investment. Then from a standpoint of ongoing uh, profit and margins, there's two ways to look at it. From a variable expense standpoint, soft contents processing is extremely profitable. We are seeing margins of 65, 70, as much as 80%. Wow. A lot of that will go back to training and how we can make sure that their productivity is uh, as efficient as possible, of course. But the margins on soft contents, because it takes up very little space in your warehouse, mm -hmm. but adds a tremendous amount of revenue, according to Xactimate on a typical fire pack out, the soft contents are the highest percentage by item and by billing than any other category. Mm -hmm. So there's a tremendous amount of revenue that's brought in. It's, it's the same dynamic that the fast food industry had with upsizing, going to a home and packing out a certain number of contents is profitable, but when you can add Yes. a whole nother revenue stream, it's even more profitable. If you bring in fixed expenses that are normally covered by your hard content division, your water mitigation, your recon, well, now every division is more profitable. So the rising tide lifts all boats. And our operators are looking at a limited amount of square footage, adding a tremendous amount of revenue, bringing every bit of your square footage profit up on all divisions. Jamie, you can add to that as well, I'm sure. Yeah. And again, I mean, that's extremely accurate. And, and most of the data, if not all the data that we receive are, is through working with our network and our IS machines are connected to the internet. So we have the opportunity to pull wash data and really understand the true hard costs when it comes to detergent usage on a per machine basis. So the information and margins that we do profitability analysis with our current operators uh, is very accurate. And that's one thing, again, we stand on the data and the training and technology that we, that we have. And the other unique thing too, is that through Xactimate, uh, doing the reporting exact where, I mean, you look at the soft contents typically represents 30 to 32% of the overall items from a single home, single family home. So it's whether, whether people are doing it now, yes, it's great from a profitability standpoint. A lot of people may think that it's, you know, kind of challenging to get into, but 
again, that's why we really reinforce it's great profit, great additional revenue, makes you a single source, uh, one-stop shop and our training and, and dynamic there is, is uh, second to none. So there's a little sales pitch on this water side. That's all right. Are most of your contractors doing using Xactimate for their estimates and their invoicing or are some of them using TNM? What is, what does that look like? Yeah. yeah the vast majority are using Xactimate. Okay. Uh, the challenge there is using it correctly. Sure. And so we, we definitely work with, you know, soft contents is, uh, a, a difficult, literally an exact to make, there's over a thousand line items for soft content. So um, I compare it to alcohol. Used moderately, it's great, but it can be abused. And so, again, when we want to get to the profitability, we're, we're all in favor of everyone uh, maximizing a bill and getting what they should get. Uh, what we do is to try to show people that the final number is not as important as the construction of the bill and that it's balanced. And yep. so Xactimate is what you see on literally, I would say, 98% of claims. And so that's that's what we train on. Okay. Okay. Perfect. Um, okay. So let's move into the topic that we kind of talked about offline and reducing carbon footprint. That's definitely something that I've heard more of. I know more restorers are um, trying to do that, trying to be a little bit more conscious of the environment, of how much fuel they're using, whatever that may be. I think it's funny, even apps now, like I use the Thanks app, the THNKS app, and there's an option on there to reduce your car, like make this carbon neutral. And if you click that, then you pay an extra few cents and it's, it's somehow makes my little e-blast gift carbon neutral. I don't know how because it's an e-blast, but they do it. I don't know. So explain a little bit of what being carbon neutral means and how you're seeing um, maybe restorers specifically getting more interested in that. Yeah, you know, it's interesting on that. Uh, we learned from one of our operators in Ontario, very interesting what they do is they're actually planting trees for every claim that they do. So there's other, huh. you know, companies are really getting ahead of that mindset of carbon you know trying to become you know net zero carbon what is the carbon footprint doing what is it leaving whether it's moving your vehicles to you know different types of fuel sources whatever that may be but where we've really zeroed in and, and have spent a lot of time through our r d um is understanding our water consumption understanding you know what we've spoken about today you know real comparison between the you know the typical traditional uh, agitation washing machines how much water they use on a per liter per pound basis versus what we do. And, and we've got some st statistics that we can share, you know, other topics are our detergents as well too. Our detergents are environmentally friendly. Uh, they're automatically injected into the wash cycle based on the recipe that's selected of that specific and, and precise chemistry. Um, and they're hyperallergenic as well too. So, you know, the technology of the actual operation inside of the machine is one, two is being these sported detergents that, um, you know, again, the environmental impact and wastewater, again, we're in multiple different countries around the world and then we've had zero, uh, you know, pushback as far as our disposal. Um, energy consumption, again, if we can minimize how much we're using uh, and running a wash because we're restoring more as well as our capacity is between 100 and 160 pounds per wash. And so really mi minimizing that. Again, the restoration versus replacement, and then obviously the types of items that can be restored, um, you know, without having to, you know, it was interesting, Russ, you can talk a little bit about this, but very interesting, the impact, I mean, a lot of buying now is done online, which we understand, but if you're buying online and you're having to replace something, there's a lot of impact that goes in from whether it's yeah. the packaging or whether it's the delivery services or whether it's you are driving, 
you know, to a different type of um, retail uh, place to purchase something. So there's a lot of minimization of by restoring and, and replacing. So Russ, maybe jump in a little bit more on that. Well, and one of the most important factors, and most people don't even know this um, because it applies to your washer at home as well. It, and when we're dealing with soft contents that have been in a, in a loss, the natural assumption is that we're going to need a more aggressive process, a longer process. We're going to have to use warm water, hot water. Because of the technology and the hydraulic cleaning action that the Asporta has, it goes through all layers through hydraulic water pressure, which is like when you're wading out into the ocean and you see a wave and it goes around you and through you, you feel that pressure. Well, because of that, then we can use cold water temperatures. So regardless of the water consumption, whether it's the Asporta, a commercial washer, a washer at home, depending on your geographic area, 60 to 90% of the energy consumed in every single load is heating up water. Huh. And so when we can use cold water washes, then that dramatically reduces the carbon footprint. And this is something that, you know, even our operators, the, the general public can do at home whenever possible. We just don't realize even choosing that warm water uh, cycle, how much that adds uh, to the energy consumption. Okay. That, that's interesting. All right. So, all right. So what is the next step for restorers who are listening to this thinking, okay, I have a contents division, but I only do maybe hard contents right now, or I don't have a contents division at all, but I know this is a direction that I need to go. Where, how, where does, where do things start when it comes to contents? Yeah, I mean, the, the very, I mean, the first initial step is just having a conversation and really doing an evaluation of their business and really you know, understanding and helping people understand the industry and the shift that's been made. Um, you know, whether you understand it or not, the restoration dry cleaning franchise organizations are no longer a standalone restoration dry cleaner. They're moving further and further into other areas of contents. And that in its own is a, is a massive shift in the industry and how things are changing. So whether you're doing just hard goods and subbing out soft goods, that's something you need to look at how often you're doing and really take care of your own business. As far as the technology is, again, we do an evaluation, how many packouts a month may you consider? And then we can do profitability analysis. Um, and again, it's it's a can be a long cycle, can be a short cycle. And we really, again, just really want to be doing that first initial conversation. Facility layouts and designs, you know, really show that this can be done within a seven to 800 square foot section of a facility. So it's not an overwhelming with our technology to uh, to get into. And visiting with our operators. I mean, again, we really pride ourselves on our operators. Our success is determined by their success. And so uh, connecting, you know, people who are interested in with our operators net operator network is uh, is obviously a critical step in that as well. So what about what about training? How long does it take to train up to be able to appropriately, accurately do soft contents well and know what you're doing, use machines well, all of that? Mm-hmm. Well, that's my area. And, you know, we look at soft content restoration and it's funny because restoration contractors are scared of it in some ways, but soft contents processors were scared of hard contents too. Uh, <laughs> each one has their own unique set of challenges. And we, we would joke with people that, but if you're washing a plate of grandma's china and you drop it, we know what happens. But if you drop a jacket, you just pick it up. So with the technology, 
uh, and how easy it is to use and train on with the trends uh, just in the workplace where more and more people are dressing casually. We're not seeing some of the, the types of items that are more challenging uh, with the training where it's not that uh, specialty or niche market. Uh, it Relatively, anyone can do it. And, and if you think about it, we wash clothes at home. So we can take anyone who has any experience in just simply washing their own items and train them how to be a soft contents processor. So it, the challenge of it is in doing it efficiently and how can we add this extra division to make our company that, like Jamie has said, that one-stop shop. So the homeowner only has one point of contact. The adjuster has one point of contact. Now we can better focus on what we do to create that customer experience, which is the most important part. And whether it's that designer purse you talked about or a wedding gown or a sentimental christening gown, everything else is is just stuff and being able to show people how to restore people back to their pre-loss condition is where a lot of that comes into play but the logistics of processing things now are different and it and it's not that hard it really isn't we can we can train someone in less than two weeks how to start being a soft contents processor okay and, and michelle i think i think too you know since we moved everything into an online learning management system Mm -hmm. um, that's really uh, driven people, um, you know, whether it's through smartphone, tablets, computer, even right on our machinery, we have access to our training. We also do in-personal regional training events, you know, typically once a quarter. And then, uh, you know, once every six weeks, we do webinar training uh, as well, as well too, uh, globally. Um, yeah, I mean, through us this point, I mean, within a week to two weeks, uh, we're able to really communicate. And then, then we have ongoing training and support. So this isn't just a you know, transactional, here you go, get going. It's, you know, how do you, you know, how do you market better? We just did a, uh, last week we did a sales and marketing session with a very well-known uh, company, Stanley Restoration, Michelle, you know, Rob Reynolds. Yeah. And came in and, and really highlighted, and that was, we had tremendous success with that and just sharing his feedback on what marketing tactics work for him. And so again, it's an ongoing, ongoing basis. And it's something, again, that we really focus on and, and uh, make sure our ongoing training is there and accessible. Okay, so before we wrap it up, I would love for both of you to share a story, maybe from one of your contractor partners, of a memorable restoration project that's happened, maybe an item that got restored after an interesting loss or something like that. Like, There's got to be stories that come to both of your minds instantly of something that's like, this is why we do this. So I don't know who wants to start, but I would love to hear your stories. Well, I'll start because Jamie thinks slower than me. So <laughs> Rob Reynolds, he was talking about, had a claim and he had been marketing his soft contents division for weeks. Well, literally this was one of those lost sites that the roof wasn't even there. And all of and it was that high end demographic that you spoke mm -hmm. about earlier. And no one, no other company that came in and looked at these items said, you know, it's all non-salvage. We can't do anything. And she was upset, especially about this $3,000 Chanel purse that they had bought in Italy on their 20th or 30th year anniversary trip. And she didn't want the money. She wanted the purse. And Rob basically said, you know what? We'll do it. 
and he went in, restored it to like new condition. Not only was she thrilled with the results and he got to do the rest of her items, the insurance carrier was so impressed that that one claim and more specifically, the most important part of that one claim being that one purse led to over $2 million worth of soft content revenue for him in the next two years. So you never know. We're doing it so that we can restore someone back to their pre-loss condition and, and give her something that goes beyond just a restoration. But then it, it definitely was a huge benefit to him because of, of what he was able to do. So that's, that's the one that always comes to mind for me. That's amazing. I love that. All right, Jamie. Yeah, I'll, I'll share it on a little bit more of a sentimental level. Um, you know, typically when I deal with people who are interested in, in our technology, it could be a, you know, transition of a month or sometimes it could be five, six, seven years, uh, depending on, um, and my persistence and, and how I build relationships. But, uh, this one story, I was actually out on a site and it was in, uh, Ohio. And I kind of mentioned this a little bit earlier, um, walked in on site and we were doing some training and working with the operator and they had just a ton of stuff out in the facility. And, and I looked over in one of these, uh, you know, Tupperware containers, big Tupperware. And I just said, Oh, Hey, you know, what's in there, what's going on? So, well, don't open that, that that's a wedding dress and it's got a bunch of mold on it. And so we have to, you know, we have to throw it out and we have to non-sell. And I said, well, is there, you know, what's the story behind it? Well, you know, the, the gal I was working with said, you know what, it's pretty sad that the homeowner, uh, actually had a loss at her house and had this in her basement and uh you know obviously water and mold and over time uh but this wedding dress actually had belonged to her daughter who had passed away about seven months prior to her loss Mm. and so it was very sentimental to her and and, uh I said well you know what let's do this we're going to do it so we did some pre-soaking pre-treatment pre-testing and we put it onto the Asporta um mold wash and then we did some post-testing but what we did is we contacted the adjuster and we contacted the homeowner and didn't tell them anything and uh we actually laid it out in the boardroom table um you know with some photos of the pre and the post testing just obviously to to show and verify that it was clean and i'll tell you the i got goosebumps even just saying the story i mean the the impact of when the adjuster and the homeowner walked in and she was just absolutely melting into tears and you know that was like seven eight years ago i mean stories like that they just they do not leave you and i think again it's that impact and our operators are doing this all the time and it's such a unique situation um Mm -hmm. that we get to be a part of and we get to share and again that's the passion that we have and and uh that's how our organization's built and we continue to uh to grow it's it is interesting when you think about soft contents like I think I have, I have more sentimental things that are in the soft contents category than the hard contents. I don't have like my grandma's China or anything like that. That's maybe something that isn't as popular now, but I think of like my kids blankets and their little, their buddy stuffed animals and then purses and things like that. That's really wedding dresses that there's so much value in those things. That's unspoken value, maybe not even monetary value. So great opportunity for restorers for sure. All right. Anything else that either of you want to add before we wrap it up? Oh, just, just thank you. And and I think again, if, you know, if anyone's considering moving in this direction, you know, we're, we're very uh, like-minded and just want to understand, you know, what position your business is in. And I know that a lot of the times people really want to chase the work that's out there, um, large loss, whatever that may be. Um, you still have to take care of your home and your home base. And if you can maximize your revenue per claim, 
I think that's a critical way to do it and use technology and use training and support to do it. And that's what we're here to be partner with. So, yep. And I would just add that, you know, in this industry, we've seen a lot of changes. Um, this board has been predicting some of these changes. And if you're even considering it, well, if you're not, you should. Uh, the the window of opportunity to be proactive is is closing and a lot of contractors as they see the direction that it's going are going to have to be reactive you don't want to be in that position and we're just simply here to help with that um very very much like jamie said our ours is not a transactional relationship it's an ongoing working together if you're successful we're successful relationship so uh, just reach out never hurts to talk about it and we'll be the first to tell you that you know this is something that uh, you're you're going to feel like why didn't I do this sooner yeah yes perfect well gentlemen thank you very much I hope you both have a great rest of your day for more restoration today and the latest news visit our website cnrmagazine.com and find the latest episodes of the Restoration Today podcast on your favorite podcasting platform.